The, the Donut Donut Box. The Donut Box. What's up, guys? It's Joe, and welcome to the Donut Box, where we unbox stories and talk about things we usually do not talk about. For today, we are going to be talking about the female reproductive system, the menstrual cycle, and all of the misconceptions and things that we've learned that may not be true. We have a very special guest today who's going to help us debunk and learn a little bit more about our bodies. So if you're ready, let's unbox this story. Today's unboxer is an OBGYN and content creator sharing with us information to help us understand our body better. You may have seen her online as the OBGYN on call. Everyone, let's welcome Dr. Isa Matibag. Hi, Doc! Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to do this episode with you. Yes, I'm so excited. Like, Because um, we were sharing this a little bit a while ago, but I love your content because I love when doctors and health professionals in general take the space online right because there's so much misinformation online like all the time (laughs) it can be very scary so i just love when we take that space and use it to really educate individuals who who struggle to get the right information in general right so yay okay so just as a start off like if you would introduce yourself to the audience to everybody what are some things that you'd like them to know about you Okay, so hi everyone. Hello, I'm Dr. Isa, your OBGYN call. So that's my little spiel on TikTok if you've seen it. I'm an OBGYN, so I am a graduate from the residency training of UPPGH. Did that for four years, so it's a lot. Uh, yeah, oh. as we, as we have known, um, seen some of my videos, I do talk about how uh, it does take a while to become an OBGYN. So they are four years of residency training before um, becoming one. And there, I sort of did go into content creation because, yes, as what you've mentioned, there were a lot of misinformation. And I thought that, you know, maybe coming from a doctor, maybe we could um, correct some of these information. And of course, um, tap into the younger generation to be able to also provide them with more meaningful, you know, reproductive health and sexual health um, information as well. Mm, yes. And, and to just start a conversation, right? Like that's so important just sure, yeah. just and to talk about it. The thing is with our education here in the Philippines, it's not exactly very con- comprehensive in the classroom. So mm-hmm. of course, even me, right? Even you for sure. Like um, a lot of these things we don't really learn in the classroom. So I'm pretty sure that, we do a little uh, every now and then like a little bit bit of these content will go a long way with the youth as well yes definitely I I agree with what you say like I can't even remember anything from my health classes in like high school because it was just such a brief touch on it like we just spent maybe one day talking about it and that was already like the male and female reproductive organs boom this is it done and it's like okay Nice. And it's supposed to be like a normal thing, a bodily function, right? So exactly. Mm-hmm. Such a normal thing like menses don't even like um have this comprehensive um discussion in classrooms. So mm-hmm. sure, it's very, very uh something that not even a lot of people know about. Yeah, exactly. And more importantly, we don't want like we don't we're not given the space to talk about it comfortably because we're so yeah but we're parent told na, oh that's how girls it's like don't talk about it <laughs> you know it's like 
but we bleed. Yeah. So at a very young age, we're taught na, oh, we're not supposed to talk so much about it. Even to our mothers, right? <laughs> Who are supposed to guide us through this journey. And so there, that's why I got into the whole content creation thing to be able to um, just give my, some of what I know as well into the general public. Yes, and we so appreciate you for that, Doc. So a quick question, just in case we have listeners who are not really familiar with an OBGYN, what is an OBGYN? Why are they so important? Yeah, so OBGYN stands for obstetrics and gynecology. So obstetrics deals with pregnancy and um, delivery, postpartum. While the gynecologic part um, is more of the general female um, reproductive tract. So anything that has to do with the vulva, vagina, the cervix, the uterus, and the ovaries and fallopian tubes are all within my jurisdiction. <laughs> so, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do have any problems down there, um, if you're pregnant, then you go to an OBGYN. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Uh, I have a few questions. With as an OBGYN, what are some of the major struggles that you have in educating or dealing with your patients? Like, what do you find to be the thing that you struggle with most? Um, maybe uh, really just more of getting across some information that are mm-hmm. um, sensitive, very sensitive, <laughs> yeah. yes, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, of course sexual health um because of course filipinos aren't very in our it's in our culture that you know we don't talk about it a lot even if i'm supposed to ask you about how many sexual partners you've had or what kind of sexual activities you do especially if you come in for like infections or discharge right also very tricky of course because you have to be understanding but at the same time you have to educate them as well as to how you can prevent unwanted pregnancies um yeah, I think off the top of my head, those are the most um, difficult. Things. Yeah, like I would imagine that being a really difficult thing in like conservative, especially because we're we're quite conservative, right? So just to talk about those body parts is already very like eh, I don't know, no thank you, <laughs> you know. It's like another thing is maybe like lack of terminology in Tagalog. Mm, so okay, when you have to deal with. Um, so I work in a general hospital, right? So a public hospital. And of course, you really have to get the, your, your message across in Filipino. However, there are some terms that are very, hmm, it's not translatable. So it might be hard for them to grasp if you don't know what it is or if they don't know what it is either. Mm, yeah, that that <laughs> that seems very complicated <laughs> too. And the reason why I asked this question is because I only started recently being a little bit more open, like with myself and understanding these things. Cause I, it's not like anybody um, told me not to talk about it, but I was always just so shy to the point where I was only able to say the word vagina when I was in college. And <laughs> like there was, I had a specific, I had a class where um, my classmates found out that I didn't like to say it. <laughs> they were like trying to make me say it. So I was like, you can do it. You can do it. And I'm just like, vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like it's in our culture that we're very conservative about these things. Or, Even like, our, you know, our, the ads. Like there were the ads for like 
pads and things like that it's always like we're so happy we have our period and then you're just like <laughs> you're so no mean <laughs> like no and i would never wear white what are you saying <laughs> like no <laughs> okay so let's get into our main topic for today so we have some answers we asked on instagram what are some of the misconceptions what are some of the things that you want to learn about the female reproductive organs and the system that maybe we never really learned about and we just want to clarify We've got the answers. Let's unbox them. Okay, okay here we go. Yes. <laughs> okay, so this is the first one. Is intense cramps during your period normal? Mm. So no, it is not normal, especially if you if there is already interference with your daily living. Mm, okay. Um, if it's hard for you to get out of bed, if you can't go to work because or to school because of these cramps. Um, if it does interfere with your normal activities, then definitely it's not normal. Mm. So um, that would actually uh, require you to, or, or like, yes, it's very suggested that you do see an ob for that because you may need to be get worked up and be given the proper medications for it. Oh, so one time, because I have severe cramps, like literally it's so intense. I have to put a hot compress and then I'm lying in bed all day and I have to take on, an, um, what do you call that? A pain reliever. And sometimes it doesn't work. So I'm just like stressed all the time on like for two days of my period. But I did go to a doctor before and the doctor said, oh, that just means you're super fertile. So is that not right? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> okay. Got it. Oh, Noted. <laughs> okay. That okay. Is, yeah. So dysmenorrhea may be primary or secondary. So if it's primary, it's more of just um, ever since that you've had your period, you're already experiencing it. And it's more of the increase in prostaglandins in the body, which is produced whenever you have your period. However, you also have secondary dysmenorrhea, which means it's caused by something else. So it could be a structural cause um, like myomas, pelvic endometriosis, adenomyosis. So all of these things can also cause dysmenorrhea and you need to be worked up for that if ever. Mm, okay, got it. So not like super fertility happening. Got it, got it. <laughs> so is there like a normal amount of cramps to have though? Like how, what would you say would be like, okay, yeah, th these cramps are subjective. Good. It's very subjective because yes, there are some people who only experience it on the first day of menses, second day of menses, and mm -hmm. it comes in, it comes and goes. Um, it's relieved by pain relievers. However, there are some people who really experience very intense ones that they really do have to miss classes. They have to skip school. They have to um, file for leaves in their work. And these are the things that, of course, may need more work up, of course. Mm, okay, got it. All right. So just in case you are feeling them really struggling with your days when you have the cramps, definitely check in with your doctor. All right. Thanks, Doc. I feel educated. Wow. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next one here. What are some of the causes of losing your period? And when is it normal to not have your period or to not get it? Okay, it's normal if you're pregnant, of course. <laughs> no, <Noted>. yes. <laughs> it's normal to not get your menses when you're pregnant. That's the only thing that um, you do not want to have bleeding, right? Because it's abnormal to have bleeding when you're pregnant. However, there are a lot of causes of irregularities, um, bleeding or, or menses. So we do have a uh, 
classification system in Obikiani. Mm. It's called the Pompoint system and it is the it uh has the different types of um, causes of irregular menses or abnormalities in bleeding. So we have um for the structural causes we have polyps, adenomyosis, leiomyoma, mm. and okay. even due to malignancy, um cervical mm-hmm. cancer, uterine cancers. So those are the um, structural causes that could cause irregularities in uh, menses. Um, however, you also have the other side, which is the coin. Um, you have coag- coagulopathies or like problems with your blood. Ooh. You have the ovulatory causes. Um, one very familiar term that you know would be PCOS. So it would mm-hmm. fall in the category. Um, you oh, also- it doesn't fall under the... The first one, the structural one, because oh, uh, it's more of endocrinologic. So, mm, okay. um, there. So, of more of ovulatory, and it would also um other things that would also be under that would be like perimenopause if you're about to have your menopause, right? Mm. So, it's It could be caused by pills. It could be caused by injectables and other contraceptives or other medications that you are taking. Could be endomet endo Metrial, so it could be due to the infection of the endometrial lining, which could also cause abnormal bleeding, and it could be not yet um, under the, any of those categories. So um, if it's not classified like an AD malformation or maybe a, um, other uh, illnesses that would also cause uh, irregular bleeding, then it would fall under that. So there's a myriad of causes. There's a lot of things that we do work up when we encounter a patient that um, approaches for irregular bleeding. Ooh, okay. So in no situation is it necessarily normal to have no period unless you ha- you're pregnant. Or if you're menopause. Oh, yes, of <laughs> so course. Of course. You're menopause, it's normal to not have your menses. Okay. Those are the two conditions where you do not want what if let's say because for example when i was younger and then i would get my period they said that it's like normal to get your period one period and then not to have it and then have it later on is that true um is it because you were very young because it is normal for children to um so when you've had your menorch or your your first menses Mm -hmm. right it would be normal to, for it to be irregular in the first three years. So when you um, go to the doctor for irregular menses and you've only had your period like two to three years ago, um, we would suggest um, re-evaluation after that time period. Mm, okay, got it, got it. Just just to clarify with, <laughs> with that specific thing. Another thing that tends to also cause um, your loss of period is under eating, right? And I think a, a lot of people feel like it's normal or like overworking your body people would be like oh it's yeah. normal because i'm working out i shouldn't i shouldn't get my period but yeah stress is actually one of the things that can cause irregular periods and yes if you are underweight if your bmi is less than 18 then yes we would also suggest gaining a bit more weight for your um menses to be more regular mm. what about athletes because I, I was a dancer for a long time and I didn't have my period and everybody just kept telling me, yeah, it's normal. You know, it's okay. Like what are the repercussions of actually not having your period? 
That's um, athletes, for example, have an increase in cortisol, which disrupts your um, hormones as well. So it is normal for, um, especially for the younger population, females, right? Younger female athletes do experience irregular menses. Yes, it's normal. However, that also just means that you're also very stressed when it's that particular sport mm, so it's like normal but it's not ideal for like yeah, that to happen ideal, definitely mm-hmm. yeah because i think that's something that we tend to be also kind of putting into our heads where it's like yeah it's normal because i'm i'm there's so many things that i'm doing you know that happens but then we realize yeah it happens but it's not that it should happen right and also one of these things that we have to recognize especially when you're under eating not nourishing your body since your menstrual cycle is not necessarily like a life or death uh, process in your body, sometimes your body will put that aside as like, wait, I don't have energy to keep this up. So I have to focus it on so many other things. And that's also why people who under eat a lot tend to lose their period. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. So let's talk about periods though, Doc, because I think this is something that we have to talk about in general. Can you run us through the menstrual cycle? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think we don't have yeah. enough. Like, like you know, we know not a lot of people know that there are actually like phases in your yeah. menstrual cycle. Like, what's happening? Why are we bleeding? Yes. So, um, for the phases of the menstrual cycle, okay, let us just do a quick recap of what it is. So, um, there are two phases actually: the follicular phase and then the luteal phase. In the middle of all of these is ovulation, right? Ovulation. So when the, <laughs> when the follicle develops, it, that's in the first half of the period. So, um, your hormones do inc- start increasing, and then later on, in the middle of all of it. The L, um, LH or luteinizing hormone will have this surge, which releases the egg, and it becomes. Then that's the time when you become fertile. It's that's there. Fertile period, yeah. right? okay. And then after that, um, that um thing that releases the egg or the follicle that releases the egg becomes the corpus luteum. So it's supposed to um, if your egg does become fertilized, it's supposed to uh support your pregnancy, right? <laughs> it's supposed to support your pregnancy. Um, that's the luteal phase. However, if it does not become fertilized, then it will just um, shrivel later on and shed your endometrium. So that's like the most basic uh, explanation of what your menstrual cycle is. So yes, it's more of um, a process that um, helps you realize where you're fertile and where Mm. you're Mm-hmm. Endometrial line and Demetrial lining will shed later on. Okay, so it's really us preparing an egg for pregnancy. <laughs> That's your cycle. Yes. <laughs> what is the normal cycle, Doc? Like some people will, some people have like kind of asked a little bit: Is two to three days normal for bleeding? What is essentially the normal length of a cycle? When should you be concerned about your cycle? So, um. Us ob do follow like this, uh, the FIGO staging or like the FIGO um, classification for bleeding. Mm-hmm. So we do have guide on how um, normal or abnormal is for the general population. So it, on the average, the cycle length is around 28 days. However, under the normal period, it would be from 24 to 38 days for the okay. cycle. It's a pretty like, like wide range. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is a pretty wide range. Um, duration should be only up to eight days, which that's the usual like maximum. 
Like yes. if it's more than eight days, it's, it's a little bad. bit of a concern. Mm -hmm. And then for um, flow volume, usually that's very um, subjective as well. So if it's light, then that means um, you perceive it as lighter than your normal. And if it's heavy, then um, that's also oh. subjective when it's um, it's your call, definitely, if it feels heavier than usual. Oh, that's interesting that that it's actually more of a sub subjective thing to see if your your period is like light or heavy. How do you know what your normal is? Like, how do you gauge what is the middle point? Uh, in general, you're you actually just beat around 80 ml per cycle. It just seems a bit more than usual when it's in a pad because it's mm -hmm. kind of spread out. But <laughs> it's on the average, it's around 80 ml, just 80 ml for the whole cycle. Okay, I have a really quick question about clots in your period because I saw a TikTok and I just, we don't want to be misinformed. But, uh, so I just want to know, there was a TikTok that said that if you have clots in your period that are bigger than a quarter, then that is a concern health-wise. Is that true? If you do experience blood clots, so um, yes, it's a point of concern and yes, you should see an ob for it as well. Ooh, okay, guys. Noted, noted. And I think it's hard because it's a no and a bad if like there's there's clots. For example, for me, I have a cup, and it's easier for me to like really notice the consistency of my my period, right? But when it's in the pad, it's like it's all it's all there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Notice you're also using menstrual cup. I'm a cup user too, and yeah. it's one of the best things ever. I hope you can convert like more people to join a bandwagon. There's just such a big learning curve, like for for the uh, cup. Uh -huh. Like when I was trying it, um, because when did I start using it? I think I was like 18, because uh -huh. my oh. sister. Yeah, you know, my sister was already using it. One of my my older sisters were already using it, and she was like saying, "It's so good! It's so much fun! Like, try it! You should use it." And I tried for two years because every single time I had my period, I was like crying, I was like it won't go in. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I just want to use my cup, <laughs> crying. Yeah. And then when I finally got it in, it was wrong. So I was like, I have to take it out. And then went back in. It's yeah. like, it's the worst. It sucks, but, <laughs> but it's it's so nice. That I got. Yeah. Yes. And you kind of just really have to get used to how to insert it or like really watch a lot of things before trying it out. However, yeah, once you get the uh, a hang of it, like it's truly one of the best things ever. Yeah, because like you feel like you don't have your period unless it's like a super heavy flow and, and of course if you have cramps and other yeah. symptoms. But, but generally it's like you're back to normal. <laughs> like everything's yeah. fine. I know and it's so dry down there. Like exactly super good try it use it <laughs> no. okay so let's go to another one over here donut break add the filling at the frosting let's go some quick glazed questions to get to know our guests better are you ready doc yeah okay. <laughs> what's your favorite thing about yourself and why because i am resilient after four years of residency training um you can give me any case and I'll do my best to uh, take care of you as a patient or like you know just with anything I feel like residency has taught me to become a person who would a survivor everything. <laughs> yeah. okay what is your favorite book Harry Potter series oh okay okay <laughs> any particular one from all of the books um, book two. Hmm. I know it's not like a, a big favorite among everyone but like 
book two is my favorite. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. What is the best gift that you have ever received? A vinyl player from my boyfriend. <laughs> oh, cute. I love that. Okay. What was your dream job as a child? <laughs> Before wanting to become an OB gang, I wanted to be an astronaut. And then around four years old, I was like, oh, I want to be an ob like my mom's doctor. And then they were. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's so cute. Like, like my mom's doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our most important question. What is your favorite donut flavor? Chocolate and sprinkles from the Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> oh, yes. We love sprinkles. Yeah. When is the best time to get checked by an OBGYN? age issues when when should you start getting your regular checkups and what exactly is like a regular checkup for like an OBGYN? okay so um i think a lot of uh females do come into the ob when of course they do have a problem with discharge or itchiness like those are things are like the most common things that we go to the clinic clinic for um however yes we do see a lot of patients also when they're already just pregnant <laughs> mm, okay so, yeah when you're pregnant that's the time that you come in yeah, right? you wouldn't really think of like other reasons because yeah. like you just be like mm, only when i have a concern <laughs> yeah. yeah although i would recommend starting at 25 years old um without any concerns you do have to start getting your pap smears or your cervical cancer screening tests so, at 25 yes mm, okay. so there might be some you um some viewers that have experienced getting their pap smears at an earlier age at 21 that's because the guidelines before were actually different and it's constantly changing however since uh there was the hpv vaccine that was already introduced and um, globally, I think there was sort of a decrease, except in the Philippines, it's not yet. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> hope we um, get there. <laughs> cancer is still um, increased here in the Philippines. So we do really recommend getting your pap smears every three years now. Mm, okay. You, so you've probably had a, a pap smear. Um, what can you say to prepare people who are like, okay, I, I should probably get my, my pap smear, but are fr- afraid? What do you think? would help calm them down a lot of you should really just relax <laughs> like that's the number one rule relax mm-hmm. follow the instructions that's being given to you um try to move down the bed as much as possible so that um it's actually a very pretty short procedure like all we have to do is insert the speculum visualize the cervix do a swab which is kind of like the same as your RT-PCR swab. Like, Ooh. <laughs> I've got there. my pap smear. <laughs> yeah, so we just use like the same um, cotton legits. And then that's it. That's it. That's that's the procedure. It's actually pretty fast if you don't think about it too much. Mm, okay. uh, I've seen hundreds of vaginas. You do not have to be concerned about us. Yours. <laughs> we would like <laughs> you to have the best. At, at least experience with us of mm-hmm. course and yeah the first thing you really have to do is relax the tighter that your, your pelvic muscles are um the harder it will be for both you and i mm, okay so teamwork okay. let's just yeah. breathe through yeah. it <laughs> okay <It's a> <laughs> it'll be over soon all right let's go to another one here we go 
Do birth control pills really cause cancer or tumors? Ooh, okay. Um, based on some studies, there was an increase in cervical cancer, but I feel like this is because those who use oral contraceptives don't use barrier methods that would actually prevent um, mm. other SCDs, including HPV. Oh, uh, um, okay. I feel like that's one of the things that... Um, the biggest reason. However, it does decrease the chances or the risk of having ovarian and breast cancers. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit of like this or that, you know? <laughs> but not really. No, cervical cancer is preventable, so... So it's okay. That's good. It's good. Yeah. As long as you hear pap smears, cervical mm-hmm. cancer screening methods, then it shouldn't be a point of concern. Okay. Oh, so a quick question about birth control is how long can somebody be taking it? Can somebody take it, like, let's say, all their life? Yes, they can actually do that if they prefer to. However, of course, you do have the long-acting contraceptives, which might be a better choice for some other especially if you do want to if you do plan to have um, contraceptives for a long time, I would prefer uh, suggesting long-term contraceptives like um, the depot shot or the implant, implant, or implant, which is good for three years. An IED would, would be good for around 10 to 12 years also. So those are like the better choices. Mm, okay. Because is uh, how much does birth control actually impact your hormonal balance? Um, of course, for some, it would actually help them more, like especially mm-hmm. patients with PCOS um, or other hormonal imbalances. Yes, then it would be beneficial. Um, some people, however, do experience um, mood swings or like... Yeah, like um, major symptoms and side effects. Yeah. <laughs> Weight gain is not significant when it comes to birth control pills oh okay they might be significant when it comes to the depot shot oh okay that's an interesting thing to learn so because i think that's why some people will also be afraid of birth control is there because we have this fear of of course we, we feel stressed of our bodies we want to have um as much information as possible so sometimes people fear like taking a birth control because they're going to gain weight but like how how would we deal with that i mean i feel like sometimes when people are on on the pill i feel like they also just attribute every single thing to it like oh well when i started the pill and i'm like it's something you can actually check in with like because if there's something i mean if you keep on eating too it's something that you can also try to control Mm, okay (laughs) so yeah. Attributing it to that, then of course it's just gonna be a vicious cycle for you too. Mm. Yeah, so there is an aspect to it, I guess, but then there's also kind of understanding that there's also a lot of things happening as well in life where um sometimes we tend to feel like it's just everything is just happening at once, but some things have built up, especially when it comes to struggling with like stress eating and all of these things. It could have just maybe heightened as well. Why I also like to um, kind of advise my patients to seek consult first so that we could really go through your different options. And if something doesn't work for you, then we could really um, choose other options out there that would be best fit for your lifestyle and um, daily activities as well. Mm, yes, definitely. It's it's important to definitely 
have some help when you're gonna go through things like these, right? So yes, that's why that's why your doctors are here. Woo! Okay, we have another one here. Is it true that the color of your discharge says that something is going on with your body? So there are like posts online that you'll be able to see like, okay, there's like brown, yellow, green, red, and then white. And it would always say like different things of like disease or something like that, normal. So is that true? And, and what does it mean? More of like vaginal infections, but not the overall state <laughs> yeah. patterns. Yeah. <laughs> Other things, I think that would be more reflective of your general well-being. But vaginal discharge can t- can say if you do have infections or not down there. In mm, particular. Okay. So right? usually it's mostly that. Um, like discharge will mostly be around like infections, but not that if let's say you have like a cyst or something that wouldn't really show up in discharge. Got it. Just just so that we we can relax a little bit because I think that's something that we struggle with right because when you don't understand your body everything can be so scary everything can feel like something's wrong so it's just good to like to know these things so in terms of like knowing what's wrong and proper height I think this important one proper vaginal hygiene (laughs) doc is it is like those ph care and other things how do we properly clean it down there? So um, my only rule with feminine washes is that you have to use it externally. Yes, there are some women who actually put it inside and that is not healthy because it could kill the good bacteria or the lactobacillus that lives inside the vagina and that keeps your pH at a good level. So do not at any cost put it inside the vagina. Just use it outside. Um, I do not have any preferred brands. Uh, any feminine wash will do as long as it does clean the outside and it doesn't cause irritation to your vulva. Mm, okay, so proceed with caution. <laughs> Keep it clean, but don't touch inside there with the stuff. Water is also good. Mild mm-hmm. soap is also good as long as you use it outside. Okay, now what about hair so the hair down there because you know we wear bikinis especially it was like summer so do you actually like as a doctor is um shaving waxing are those things that you actually recommend or think think are things that we should be doing or ideally not so i do not recommend shaving it has Mm. um, been proven that it does cause tiny abrasions down there which may lead to um, infections of the ah, mm-hmm. follicles so it could cause colliculitis and it could just be it could cause those tiny bumps and pimples down mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. so I would prefer that you use a clipper so hair clippers are easy and safe to use and they last much longer than the sh- uh, what do you call that the, the razor sh- yeah I mean, razor. Not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah the razor so clippers, hair clippers are actually um, available online as well. So if anyone's interested in trying that, um, hair clippers are the way. Um, I do have some derma friends who prefer that you do waxing or um, lasers as well. If you really, really are not a big fan of your hair down there, it would cause less folliculitis as well. Mm, okay, so waxing is not necessarily bad because like, 
it, necessarily bad, but it can cause a lot of pain. Uh, yeah, <laughs> bad in that way. Inflammatory <laughs> hyperpigmentation, so oh, it might, okay. may or may not mm-hmm. be um may me may or may not cause a little bit of darkening down there. Okay, that's good to know as well. <laughs> like just to be mindful of like what yeah. what's happening, you know, that could be something. Okay. Got it. Got it. Noted. Noted as well in the like the laser. Okay. <laughs> just just to note a little bit, but also remember it's perfectly fine to have hair down there cuz it actually acts as a barrier to several mm-hmm. infections as well, so it's not entirely a bad thing. Yes, it's very very important. Okay, so we let's just take one more in the box. Okay, here we go. Okay, I think this is a very important question here. PMS versus PMDD. How do I know if my symptoms are normal? So how do we know if our symptoms before our period is normal or it's something that might actually be major concern? So like aside from the menstrual cramps being severe to like not so bothersome, what are some other things that we should watch out for? So again, if um, just like the cramps earlier, if you think that it does disrupt your daily activities, then it does mean that you do have to see a doctor for it. Um, PMDD is more of, uh, so there's like a cluster of symptoms because there is a very specific criteria that you have to meet to be mm-hmm. diagnosed okay. to have PMDD. However, the premenstrual syndrome can be just, you know, breast tenderness, mild mm-hmm. cramps, um, mood swings. However, for PMDD, there is a DSM-5 criteria for it. <laughs> so mm, Okay, because it's not um, just reproductive like uh-huh. um, system, like there's yes. also your mental health as well. Okay. Yes, usually we would uh, ask for a referral to psychiatry as well, mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. us with, with someone who has PMDD. So at least five symptoms must be present in the final week before menses. And start to improve within a few days before after the onset of menses. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then there's like a list of symptoms when um with when it comes to the PMDD or the premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So okay. one or more of the following must be present: marked affective lability, so mood swings, suddenly feeling sad or te- fearful, mm-hmm. um, increased sensitivity to rejection, marked irritability, anger, or increased interpersonal conflicts. Mm. mark depressed mood feelings of hopelessness and self-depreciating thoughts Mm -hmm. and the fourth is marked anxiety tension and or feeling of being keyed up or on the edge so one or more should be present for that and then one or more of the following must be additionally be present to reach a total of five symptoms in combination with the criteria earlier so Decreased interest in the usual activities. Number two, subjective difficulties concentrating. Three, lethargy, easy, easy fatigability, or marked lack of energy. Number four, marked change in appetite, overeating, or specific food cravings. Five is hypersomnia or insomnia, I mean, sorry. Mm-hmm. Six is a sense of being of overwhelming or uh, overwhelmed or out of control. And number four, Seven is physical symptoms such as breast tenderness or swelling, joint or muscle pain, sensation of of bloating or weight gain. So that's criteria. It's pretty. Yeah, (laughs) there's there's a lot. (laughs) Like like you have to really dive into those different. Uh So it's actually a lot of symptoms. And if you feel like it's really disrupting your daily activities in life, um, then definitely go see a, a, a doctor for it. 
Mm, okay. Because I think that's also something that we tend to kind of just attribute, attribute to your period where it's like, yeah, I'm just not in the mood to like be a human right now because I'm, I'm bleeding. And then we think like, oh, yeah, it's perfectly normal because that happens. But there is a time where there might be something else going on um, as well with, with that, the stress that you feel around your period. Right. Uh, what about some symptoms about your PMS that are like normal and fine? Because I think a lot of people really feel super duper stressed and super duper major cravings in their PMS. Like, how do we differentiate the intensity of this from having a different concern? Yeah, so actually, again, a lot of these are subjective also. So if you feel like um, it's disrupting your relationships, if it's um, maybe very different from how you usually are, then yes, it might be something that of concern already. And that's something that you do need to uh, maybe see a doctor. But um, again, a lot of this is subjective with you and with your peers around. Okay, yes, I love that. All right, so let's just do some very quick fire ones. So this is just more okay. of like, yes, no, or like a small thing. Okay, <laughs> okay here we okay. go. Sour food during your period is bad. Okay, no. You can eat anything. (laughs) Are two-day menstruations normal? Okay, no, it's not. It may be a formal imbalance. So yes, please go see a doctor if ever. Do I look bigger on my period or is it just my brain? It could be just your brain. Um, If you want to be very sure, go go check your weighing scale also. But I'm pretty sure like a lot of us experience a lot of bloating as well during your when you're in period wearing panty liners is bad no it's not it could be actually um helpful for some women who do experience or who do not like having their discharge on their panties however always try to keep it dry you can change it every now and then hmm, okay cold showers during your period is bad no it's not <laughs> shower there's actually a lot of like shower questions around yeah. your period. Don't worry, hot, cold, as long as you do uh, personal hygiene down there and of course your body, we'd like that. <laughs> that so, would be good. Stay clean, stay clean. Yeah. <laughs> okay, here's the last. Nakakaganda ba ng skin ang magpahid ng first ever men's? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, so please, there's no concrete evidence. I think we turned out fine. Did you put your... <laughs> no. Maybe I should have. Like, now I'm thinking, should I have? <laughs> I, mean, like, I feel like we look good. So, <laughs> And I didn't put my first period on my face. So I, I no need to collect it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> okay. But of course, yes, it's so important because there's still a lot of like um, pass down um, myths from our grandparents, right? Or even... Um, people from the provinces, talaga, those the far-flung provinces who have a lot of um, myths about menstruation. Yeah, like your superstition. Yeah, it's superstition. It could be part of their culture also. Yes, we do respect that. There's no harm in doing it if you do want to do it. Let us know if it works. <laughs> but definitely, uh, there's no clinical evidence. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's important to know. Like You don't have to do it. You can try it. Let us know how it goes. But... <laughs> It's also okay not to. <laughs> yes. All right. 
Thank you so much, Doc. Just before we end, though, what is something that you want to talk about that we usually do not talk about when it comes to um, being, you know, having a female reproductive system, education, or anything in between? Um, I guess the fact that menses is normal, not gross, and that both males and females have to learn about it. So it's so important, boys, males, you you guys have to know about it as well. <laughs> I know you do not do not want to talk about it. Yes. But you have to be involved. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's so important. Have you seen that like the videos online where they're like asking um men different like questions? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, why can't you just control your period? And like, why can't you hold it in? Until you go, right? I things. wish. <laughs> if I could do that, my life would be so I would have. Thank you so much for sharing with us, for sharing your knowledge, for taking your time. Where can everybody find you? So, yes, everyone, thank you so much for watching this episode with um, me. And um, yes. you can find me on Instagram and on TikTok at OBGYN on call.ph. And I recently just um, put up a Facebook page as well. So, you can also find me there. Please be wary of the fake pages selling slimming products. Oh. That's not me. <laughs> That's definitely not me. Yeah, there are so <laughs> many of those. Yeah, with like, like hmm. and follow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, yay. For more of your information and education, your cycle, just being healthy with your reproductive system, do follow Doc. And of course, uh, make sure to... <laughs> Um, support 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 yes yay again thank you so much doc thank you so much thank you everyone and that is the end of the episode something that i love to say is that it's hard to take care of your body if you don't understand it so hopefully this episode helped you understand your body a little bit more so that you can take care of it the best that you can If you like this episode and want to join in on more of the conversations, then follow the Donut Box podcast, listen into the next episodes, follow us also on Instagram at the Donut Box pod. You can follow me at It's Joe Sebastian on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. And you can also follow at HealWithJoe.RND on Instagram for more nutrition things. The Donut Box is an anima podcast podcast, so you can follow them for the latest pods. Until the next episode, don't forget, you always deserve to eat.